It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shree. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are, why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. Welcome to Discover Your Spiritual Identity. If you are a child of God, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 should cause joy unspeakable to rise in your heart. In that verse, Peter identifies four names given to the people of God. He says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We should take a moment right now and lift our hands and praise God, because we were in darkness. We were children of darkness. We were under the control of a satanic agenda, and the flesh was dominating our choices in life, but then we were translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son. And we obtained this new identity. Now, I'm going to draw the focus tight just on one of the four names found in that verse. And that is our calling to be a royal priesthood. That very title implies a mixture of two opposite and extreme callings. The mixture of being a king and a priest mingled together. Now, why do I say those are so opposite? Because a king is one who rules and reigns, who exerts dominion and authority. A priest, on the other hand, is one who serves, serving God and serving others. So we reign as kings in the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we serve as priests in the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the kingdom of God, you can't really have one without having the other. You can't rule and reign unless you have a servant's heart. And if you have a servant's heart, automatically you will rule and reign with him. So the two blend together. Now, the scriptures that make this even more evident are found in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 and 6 is where Jesus is introduced and called the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth. And then John says, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So we are referred to as king priests, kings, those who exercise the dominion and the authority of God in this world. Priests, those who serve God, and out of that service to God, they also qualify to serve other human beings. And then in Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 and 10, the 24 elders sing a new song to the Lamb of God, and these are the words, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, 
and we shall reign on the earth. In the first chapter of Revelation, our calling to be king priests is for the glory of God. In the fifth chapter of the book of Revelation, our calling as king priests is all about our ultimate destiny, reigning on the earth. Not only will you have access to a heavenly realm, because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, and certainly there is a heavenly inheritance that is granted to the sons and daughters of God, but our ultimate destiny is to rule right here in this world. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Again, that's a mixture of the two callings because a priest exemplifies meekness, which is submission to God and service to others. And so if the meek inherit the earth, that means those who qualify as priests will also qualify as kings, and they will rule and reign with the Lord in this world. Now, last week, we focused our attention on 1 Peter 2, 5. And in that verse, it says that we are a holy priesthood that offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And we may get back to that verse more on this podcast or possibly the next episode. But first, let's dig into the meaning of the word priest and also some Old Testament references. And we'll build right back up to where we started. First of all, as I mentioned in last week's episode, the word priest in the Hebrew language is Kohen, K-O-H-E-N, and it basically means one who draws near. So it speaks of having a heart to go after God, to pursue an intimate relationship with him, to walk in the spirit, and to be motivated by the word, both the rhema word, the living word, and the written word, the logos so that you are a word-ruled, spirit-filled child of the Almighty God. That's what qualifies you to be a priest of the Most High God, to draw near to God in order to fulfill his word and be filled with his spirit. Now, the New American Standard version of Isaiah 23, 18 describes priests as those who dwell in the presence of the Lord. The New King James Version of that same verse says that they are those who dwell before the Lord. What does that mean to dwell before the Lord? It means that you walk in a mindset, that you are under the continual watchful care of the Almighty God. God told Abraham, walk before me and be perfect. In other words, walk as though the omniscient God who knows every detail about your heart, your attitudes, your life, your past, your present, your future, walk before him, recognizing his omniscience, recognizing his omnipotence, recognizing his omnipresence, and walk circumspectly as a result of that with humility before God so that every word that comes out of your mouth and every attitude that surfaces in your heart is pleasing to him. Again, priests are those who dwell in the presence of the Lord, or the New King James Version says those who dwell before the Lord, recognizing that the face of God is shining into your life with his compassion, his care, his constant vigilant care over you. Now, remember, as I mentioned last week, that the priests were the sons of Aaron. 
Aaron was the high priest, and so they inherited their calling from him by virtue of being his physical offspring. Well, our high priest is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says he is the great high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And so just as the sons of Aaron inherited a priesthood calling from him, so the sons of the great high priest inherit a spiritual priesthood calling from him. And one of the major facets of that calling is intercession for others. The Bible said we have a high priest who is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. And in all points, he was tempted like we are yet without sin, but because of being surrounded with temptations, afflictions, and persecutions in life, he can feel sympathy for us because he ever lives to make intercession for us, to stand in the gap for us. That's what a priest does. If you are functioning in a priestly role, you feel, you have an empathetic connection with people who are hurting, who are pained, and you know how to stand in the gap for them. Read Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 6, and it talks about how God gives us beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Why? Well, down into verse 6, it says that you shall be named the priests of the Lord. You can really function as a priest when you've had your life reduced to ashes, when you've had to walk under the dark covering of a mourning attitude, mourning the pain of something you faced in life. God said he'd give us beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. If you've walked under heavy burdens, burdens of guilt, burdens of wrongfully being persecuted by others, or burdens for the world around you when you see the disastrous things that are happening in society, that heaviness that weighs upon your spirit qualifies you for your priestly intercessory calling. All of that is important. See, we've inherited a kingly calling from the Lord Jesus Christ also, because he's referred to as the king of kings. Well, is that referring to earthly potentates of all those kingdoms that have existed in the past and still some exist in the present? No, I believe it's talking about a spiritual family, a royal seed who qualify to be a royal priesthood because they've inherited both a priestly calling from the great high priest and also a kingly calling from the king of kings. That's written on his vesture and on his thigh in Revelation chapter 19 when he returns in splendor on a white horse and all the armies of God behind him to take up his throne in this world. That's an army of king priests following him, glorified saints of the Almighty God, those who rule and those who serve, the mixture of the two callings. That's what's going to stabilize this world when the kingdom of God fully functions here it will be a kingdom made up of people who embrace these two roles. I think it's really interesting to see that in the Old Testament, the priests were those who dwelled in the presence of the Lord. And that was literally fulfilled in a very supernatural way because the priests lived in an atmosphere of the supernatural. They were constantly offering up sacrifices on the altar. 
but the fire on the altar in the tabernacle of Moses and later on in the temple of Solomon originally fell from heaven. That was God fire. That was holy fire. That was divine fire. That was not of an earthly origin. Can you imagine the intensity of standing there in front of an altar and realizing the fire that you're gazing at is God himself in a manifestation of holy fire, consuming sacrifices to render reconciliation to the people at that stage. Wow. But that wasn't the only thing. There was a pillar of fire by night and a cloudy pillar by day that descended upon the tabernacle in their wilderness journey. And so the priests were constantly aware of that cloud just above their heads, of the divine presence. And then when they walked into the holy place inside of the tabernacle itself, they had to keep the menorah lampstand burning and they lit the wicks of the menorah lampstand with the fire that was on the altar. So the holy light that illuminated the holy place was of a heavenly origin. It was not an earthly origin. And when a priest walked into the Holy of Holies and the veil closed behind him, he was immersed in heavenly light. How powerful that must have been. But how that also provides a picture to us that if we are priests of the Most High God, we should be living in the supernatural. We should have the fire of God burning on the altar of our hearts every single day. And we should be guided through life by the supernatural heavenly light of his word. Because your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, David said. All of this is very, very intense. I want you to see that in the Old Testament... God's original intention was for all of his people to have a priestly calling, not just the sons of Aaron, not just a certain group out of the tribe of Levi. But in Exodus chapter 19, verses 5 and 6, God said, If you indeed will obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And those were the words that God told Moses to speak to the children of Israel. God's desire for them was for all of them to draw near. And it's very significant that that was spoken in Exodus chapter 19, because in Exodus chapter 20, one chapter later, the opposite happened. God visited them on Mount Sinai, the consuming fire of God consumed the mountain. The rumbling of a supernatural earthquake was under their feet as God's thunderclap voice rolled across the desert plains. And God gave the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, beginning with the statement, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. Instead of falling on their faces in absolute adoration, drawing near to God with a heart of submission and humility. Instead, they ran away from this manifestation of the glory of God and cried aloud to Moses and said, you talk with God and we'll listen to you, but let not God talk to us or we'll die. There was a lot of truth in that statement because if you really hear the word of the Lord, 
you'll die one way or the other. You'll either die to the flesh and come alive to God, or you'll die to the things of God and come alive to the flesh. But when you hear the word and know it to be the word of God and make a decision to either receive or reject the word of God, one or the other is going to happen. You'll either fall before him in submission, or you'll do like the children of Israel. They drew back that day. The Bible said Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was, but the children of Israel stood afar off. So they drew back while Moses drew near. Moses had the heart of a priest. He was of the tribe of Levi. He had this priestly access, this desire for intimacy with God. Show me your glory was the cry of his heart. He had that internal passion to connect with God. Unfortunately, the others didn't. Then 40 days later, they rejected God again, breaking the second commandment, where they convinced Aaron to make them a golden calf, and they were dancing around that calf in an orgy of lust in the name of worship. How perverted, how twisted was that? How twisted some of the things going on in the name of religion are now as well. But then Moses came down, saw the corruption, saw how they'd broken the second commandment. You shall not make any graven image. Well, they made an image of a golden calf. Where did they get that gold? That was the spoil that they received from their Egyptian captors. Remember when they went to their neighbors and asked for gold and silver and garments to worship the Lord out in the wilderness? And somehow the favor of God came over the whole nation of Israel and convinced the Egyptians to fulfill their request. And thus they spoiled the Egyptians, the Bible said. Well, they had to sacrifice the spoil of their deliverance to create an idol. The same thing happens in a spiritual sense. The spoil of your deliverance is all the benefits that come to you by virtue of coming out of the world and being committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. But you've got to sacrifice those spoils in order to erect some kind of idol in your life, which is anything that you put before God, where he's not first and foremost in your life. Anyway, why a calf? Why did they want a golden calf? Because cows, more than any other domesticized animal, exist to serve human beings. And I believe that whether they acknowledged it or not, whether they recognized it or not, the children of Israel wanted a God who would serve them instead of a God that they served. And so the image of this domestic animal, the calf, was what they chose. Anyway, the story doesn't end very well. That day, Moses came down the mountain and said, whoever is on the Lord's side, let him come over to me. And only one tribe of the 12 tribes of Israel stood with Moses that day. Just because the majority are against you doesn't mean that they're right. There's a lot of people right now in our society and our government that are embracing liberal and ungodly ideas, and it looks like they may even be in the majority, that doesn't matter. I'd rather be on the side of right. And that day, the Levites stood with Moses. Strangely, in a very powerful sense, the priesthood passed to Levi that day. And incidentally, the word Levi means joined. 
and it implies on the highest level being joined to God in a priestly covenant. Hallelujah. Well, in a spiritual sense, I believe we're all Levitical in nature. If we fulfill the calling to be priests, we're of the spiritual tribe of Levi. If we're sons of the king, we're of the spiritual tribe of Judah. And so it all comes to fulfillment on a higher level. But what I want you to see is that from that time forward, the Levites acted in a role that was very important. I'm going to mention this, and then I'm going to close this podcast, and we'll continue in the next one on this vital subject. But see, the Levites were the ones that camped around the tabernacle between the tabernacle where God dwelt and the rest of the children of Israel. So they were like an intercessory barrier. They were the ones that were serving the tabernacle, serving the priests. They were like subordinate priests who did all the work of the tabernacle. And they were keeping the others at a distance so that the tabernacle area was kept sacred and holy. And they surely interceded for the rest of Israel. And so should it be with all of those who fulfill a priestly calling. You should be kept near to God so that you can stand in the gap for those who are not. Not to criticize them, but to help them come into this calling themselves. I think it's really interesting to see that originally Levi was cursed by Jacob. Simeon and Levi, because of the way they dealt with Shechem and uh, the tribe that he was a part of, over the issue of Dinah, their sister, being taken by Shechem, who was a Canaanite. It's a long story, but anyway, they were very violent in the way they responded to that whole thing, and Jacob cursed them. And he said their violence was a horrible thing. But then he said this, he said, I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. And so part of the curse that was on Simeon and Levi were to be scattered in Israel. Well, for Levi, that curse eventually became a blessing because of their heart attitude toward truth, toward God, and toward Moses. They never received an inheritance in the land of Israel when the children of Israel went into the promised land. All the other tribes got big land strips, but God said, the Levites shall have no inheritance in the land. Listen to the next part, for he said, I am their inheritance, says the Lord. In other words, the intimacy they had with God, the service of the tabernacle, was the inheritance gift that was passed to them. Certainly far more important and far more wonderful than lands and houses and material possessions. However, there were 48 Levitical cities scattered throughout all of Israel where the Levites dwell. And I believe that was the wisdom of God. If all the Levites had congregated in one little area in Israel, they all would have edified each other with spiritual matters and the rest of the tribes of Israel would have been devoid of that spiritual influence. But God wanted Levites scattered throughout the nation so that there would be spiritual-minded people, hopefully, uh, if they fulfill their calling correctly, that would influence those of the other 11 tribes who may not have been as sensitive to spiritual matters. That's exactly why God has some of you working in a place where you're surrounded by people who are ungodly in their attitudes, Maybe they have filthy speech or they're constantly indulging in 
things you consider to be wicked, and you wonder, God, why have you stuck me here? It's so that you, as a Levitical priest, can shine your light in the darkness. Remember, 1 Peter 2.9 says you're a royal priesthood, and part of the reason you're called a royal priesthood is you take dominion over darkness. You take authority over evil. You conquer satanic agendas. You conquer satanic attitudes in the world around you, and you conquer by love and by forgiveness and by mercy and by goodness, not by fighting violence with violence. We conquer by the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ emerging in us. Wow, we've covered a lot of territory in this particular episode. We're going to continue with this phenomenal calling of being priests, but I also invite you to go to my YouTube channel, look up Shreve Ministries, and you'll find right at the beginning there are three messages I preached, I guess it's been about 10 or 15 years ago, at Christian Retreat in Bradenton, Florida, where I had a series on our calling to be priests, and I cover even more territory. So if this is interesting to you, go to the YouTube channel, Shreve Ministries, and watch those three about 50-minute long messages. So God bless you. Thank you for joining me, and I look forward to sharing more about this vital and important and powerful subject in the next episode. Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shree, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given his people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be.